A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Getting my dad to say I love you. To say what? Say love Welcome back to Getting My Dad to Say I Love You, the podcast where I chat to funny people, writers, actors, comedians, find out about their family so we can blame their parents for the reason they are the way they are, and most importantly, trying to get my dad to say I love you. Here's my dad, John Martin, with me as always for the intro and the outro. How you doing, dad? I'm well, good to hear you. We got Tiff Stevenson this week. You like Tiff? Yeah, well, I've heard her at Edinburgh. You've seen her, you've met her as well, we've had drinks with her. Yeah, yeah, we went into that rather nice club in Edinburgh. Yeah, the uh, you know the, the one where comedians are allowed. Yes, you they like let, it. they let me in for the night. I think you you like going into clubs that have an exclusivity policy, don't you? Yes. <laughs> so Tiff's coming up. What's she, what? What is there anything you've seen her on apart from live comedy? Seen her on a telly? I, I I start watching all this daytime telly, and you you get lost with who who's on it. Yeah, that's they, true. They all look the same. They all, they all must go to the same hairdresser. <laughs> I thought Janet Street Porter this morning had she'd gone and gone to a hairdresser and used a pudding basin on her hair. Oh yeah, yeah. She put it. What she had a fringe. It wasn't very uh, subtle because actually she has quite nice hair, and I thought she could have done a better job with it. But that's just my. Well, that's just your opinion. Well, if you're listening, Janet Street Porter, my dad likes your hair, but he thinks you can do better. And on that note, we're going to find out why some people, other than me, have issues based on their parents. Back in a bit. How you doing, Tiff? I'm good. I'm in my book nook. You're in your book so, nook. I'm in my book nook in North London and it's been raining today. And uh, so I got the cosy vibe on. Although, to be honest, I'm a bit annoyed that we've had no summer. You've had no summer. I mean, <laughs> if that, that's still, I like that's at the top of your list of things to have been annoyed about in the last year and a bit. <laughs> yeah. like well, on top of pandemic, everything else. But yeah, on, I know, yes. And on top of everything else. <laughs> It's you needed some sunshine after the last year. Um, so Tiff, what I like to start with, we just get straight into this. We've had a bit of chit. We've had actually more chit chat than of anyone else. But what I like to ask at the start is, have both your parents said to you, I love you? Yes, they have actually. Recently, I think I say it more now than they do. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, my dad in more recent years, I think since the pandemic... I say I love you, and it's, it, and he's been very mindful of like thanking me for doing things for him. I just took him to the dentist the other day. And he said, "I know I'm a pain. I know I'm a pain." I said, "You're not a pain." I said, "These things happen. You get older, you know. You, you know." He was he had an abscess on his tooth, so your dad I'm in, is in um, the midst of that. 
out of um, I've done a few guests on here at the moment, and but your your parents, I know. I think I know almost as well as like Carl's because your dad is always at your very fun show, Old Rope, helping run it. So I mean, that's like out the get. And your so what's your dad's Ron and your mum's called what's Lorraine. Lorraine, and she's she's also there as well, which is very sweet support but they're and they're not together but they still come and they're still kind of that's, that's oh no that's they what, are together they just they act are, like they're not oh, <laughs> that's so why did i think that's uh, because they act sometimes they act outwardly hostile to each other in public <laughs> which is always fun to be party to but they <laughs> they do that's, they act like once one time she came to old rope she's like oh i can smell him before i see him amazing. so it means that it means they'd have left the house at the same time He's come into Old Rope. She's gone round the shops and they've got Amazing. some nice bits in. I'm going round the shops. And then that'll be, you know, so yeah, they're still, but that uh, is. Oh, it's so funny. I thought they were like one of those. I like, mean, I'm going to write five minutes of stand up on that now. The great thing about your parents is they're not together, but they still come, yeah. both come to things. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I literally did, because they're always at different sides of the room. So I was like, yeah. well, they can be, they can be yeah, in the same room some, together. Yeah, they need, they need that space because otherwise they'll start nitpicking at each other. <laughs> Genuinely, they'll just start, they'll start having a row. I could never, I don't know how you have a relationship where you're that constantly at each other. So I try not to, I've gone for the opposite of that in my own life. I'm like, I'm not going to do this. I can't, yes. but you know, that's part of their codependency. Well, you, say, is the, is the thing, that's their relationship. It's always been a bit like that. They've always been a bit like, bah, 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 at each other. That relates very uh, hard with me. <laughs> uh, my mum and dad are together, but... I, I, if I call them, all one of them will do will, will complain about the other one. And then I, there's times <laughs> when there's two of them and I'm, and I think that's partly what I want to do. I, I don't know if this relates to you as well. I feel like a bit of a, like the family therapist in some ways. I'm just like, they're just going, I, I, she makes a lot of good points. You're also making a lot of good points. I mean, it's almost like they need me to go, maybe like compromising's not a bad idea. <laughs> like I'm the first person to come up with that. That's so funny. Your, your parents will be like, but they're still together, which is still like, in, in in yeah, I know what you mean. It's like a different way of being in love that I don't want, but it doesn't mean it's wrong. <laughs> doesn't mean it's wrong, but I really do my best to avoid that type of relationship with yes. my wife. And you can't, you're yeah, because you're you and Paul are very loving and you're very um, close knit. And yeah. uh, I would definitely know walking in a room that you guys are still together. <laughs> <laughs> I like Ron and Lorraine. That's so funny. If they're listening, if they're listening, I apologise, guys. You're both lovely people, but I, <laughs> I misread the body language. But then that then makes me love them even more because they remind me of my parents. Yeah, yeah. So they both they both said it before. So they're both they're, they're obviously very supportive because they come and they come and watch you do your stand up and stuff. And like I, I said before, my dad doesn't he's not comfortable saying the words, but he does show it in other ways by being supportive. So I'm not, I'm not complaining. I'm honest. People going what do I do? like, I know he does, but I just I find think it my fascinating. He can't do he it. Can't and I think, it. I think Ron and my dad, I don't know if they've met. I think they were, they're kind of similar vibe guys. And I think my ways. dad would struggle with sorry. I think the love part is easier. I think saying sorry for something is something that he would inherently. And so I think things that he might, have regretted over the years he's tried to make up with exactly what you're saying there 
with his behavior and our relationship and stuff because our relationship didn't start not didn't start it's just he was always working he was like really Mm -hmm. working and busy when i was young and out at the pub and like he had his band for years so this is my dad this is my dad apart from the music there's no music but yeah out all you day know. working, out all night on the piss or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so all through my like teens and 20s, and really my relationship with my dad came in my 30s, really. And for me standing, uh, from, from stand-up comedy, that's where our connection like then became this thing because he loves that world and he's intrigued by that world and its performance and it, you know. So at, that actually, stand-up has been a big thing that has like, probably enhanced my relationship with my dad to the point that my mum goes, oh, you guys are so close now. What about me? It was always me. And now, you know, so then the two of them were out about that. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's very funny. But the, uh, yeah, the performing side, I see that's an interesting way of like bringing you guys together. But then uh, the thing that I, I, I popped into my head was you, you very hard. I mean, I, this isn't, I said this to everyone because I think everyone who's successful and everyone I'm interviewing on this, I, I deem very successful. I do think you have to be extremely hardworking in comedy. And so your dad was always working all day and maybe out at night. So did you, did he tell you to work hard? Cause I think you're, you have an amazing work ethic. You're always working on stuff. You've got loads of projects going on. I really admire you in that way. Do you think your dad's, did he tell you what, or did you, cause I think I always just watched my dad working all the time. And I thought probably below some layers, if I, to get, I don't know, to get his attention, I needed to work hard. Um, I don't think he outwardly, I don't think he outwardly said it. Like sometimes my dad will say things that I am stunned is probably the wrong word, but sometimes <laughs> no, no, like <laughs> that sounds like it's going to be bad, but like I'm stunned by the clarity and depth of something he'll say to me about something that we've not spoken about before. And I'll be like, I remember one year. So yeah, so it's never really about working hard. He always like, he's my dad's super smart and very mathematically gifted and stuff as well, which came into play with his job and stuff. What did um, he do? Well, he was, when I was a kid, he was the manager of Wembley Stadium. Yes, um, he told so, me that. And he's seen so many bands and stuff by just being there, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so but that was part of my childhood. It's a really, it's a really interesting thing. Cause I, there's always like talk about class and stuff that comes up every now and again. And I'm someone who goes, well, I'm working class. I went to a comp. My mum was a cleaner when I was a teenager. When my dad lost his job, we were just mm. all living off my mum's wage. My mum and dad, you know, like, there were points in my early kind of like, guess my early years where mum and I went through the system a bit because she left dad a couple of times, like they split up a couple of times. Mm-hmm. So we went to, you know, go into the, the DSS and, you know, living in a like, you know, uh, a B&B room or whatever in a, you know. So it's it's a really interesting thing. And then I remember someone like coming and attacking me on Twitter going, basically this posh you know, C-U-N-T, because her dad worked at Wembley and she's full of shit. And uh, and I was like, oh. <laughs> so my dad comes from like, I have this re- really weird dichotomy because my dad comes from like quite rich Scottish Presbyterians, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like we ever got any of that money. And my mum comes from Romany Gypsies. So I'm like half, there's rich Scottish clergy on one side and the other half is, like, is Gypsy. Mm-hmm. So... Um, and also, yeah, like, there's this weird thing at the moment where these BBC guidelines have come out to like establish working class 
Like who's working The UK, class? I mean, I'm not there at the moment. And the one thing I always think about the UK that is so class obsessed and the fact there's guidelines to establish your class feels insane Do you know what they me, need to cause... do? It needs to not be about class and it needs to be like hire some people out of Ox- outside of Oxbridge. Like literally, there's, it's as easy as that. If you stop going, we'll get everyone from Eton and Harrow and mm. we'll get like, you know, we'll get everyone from Oxford or Cambridge you know, then then you're starting somewhere, you know, like, yeah. or even Durham, like, you know. It's funny you, when the guidelines apply to the diverse side and you're like, isn't it making it harder for, why can't, yeah, why can't it, the whole point is everyone and anyone should be able to rather than why are you putting rules to like how well, diverse someone is. And technically I would fit into that because it's like, oh, we're, we're one of your parents in this manual labour job. Like, and manual labour was like, if your dad was like, I think it was like, road sweeper, uh, lorry driver, or your mum was a cleaner or what, you know, like, so it's, it's such a weird, and also there's a very, um, my, both, my, my parents, I describe as like charismatic lunatics. Right. I get that. I I think I, I relate to that massively. Yeah. (laughs) They're charismatic. Like if they come in a room, you're going to hang out with Ron and Lorraine. You are, you are. You're going to enjoy it, right? They you are know? very, uh, yeah. You, yeah, they, they. You just have that aura. You're like, oh, you're going to be fun, you know. Like both yeah. of them, I just like yeah. they're just always up for a. They're sociable animals, I would say. Yeah, and and charismatic lunatics because they are mad and I'm mad. <laughs> like, but, but but there's yeah. You in a room, you're like, yes, we want to. Of course, we want to chat to them. So that's so my dad's job when I was. Um, I think he was at IBM for a little a little while as well. Um, but then when he was sort of still, that's, he was at IBM and he sort of had the band going. And I remember the band used to rehearse in the house. Is that IBM in Chiswick? Is that IBM in Chiswick? I always sort of um, sound for the, near yeah, there, Brentford, been, Brentford, yeah. Chiswick. Yeah, the old Brentford. <laughs> yes, mate, mate I've driven past there many times. Yeah. Yeah. So he did that and he, and then he was, okay, right. And then so. he was at Wembley. So when I was a kid, he was, so he was box office manager. So it was like, we're going back to when Harvey Goldsmith before like because my dad was there sort of did live aid pre that like pre when my dad first joined i think harvey goldsmith used to be like a ticket tout outside and the right whether i get in trouble for i don't know who, i don't know who he is he's I'm, like a I'm... huge huge promoter like a huge right. music promoter like very successful was part of live aid is like you know um i don't know whether i'll get up we should check that afterwards see if it's common knowledge if it is then we're fine but yeah so he was there so that meant that when i was a kid like it took a lot to kind of impress me in terms of celebrity and stuff because they would always i met like john moss and he gave me a signed culture club album and i sat on annie lennox's lap while she was doing her makeup to go on stage with the eurythmic so i'd always have this like triple a i was probably just this precocious annoying kid knocking around but also half the time I'd be like, where's the pencils? I want to do some colouring. So I don't right. really give a shit. And I didn't really appreciate stuff like um, Wham! The final. Like we, you know, watched that in the, I think that was the stadium actually. And I was like in a box with Tony Hadley and one of the Kemp brothers from Spandau Ballet. That's and cool. then another time like with Jerry Hall watching Tina Turner um and how old so, are you then you're like, it's like oh five i'm like years old. he was definitely by the time my grandma so my grandma died when i was 11 so it was before i went and dad was already i think he was there till i was about nine or ten right. 
So you were just you, yeah. Well, so you, just by by osmosis, you would have been wanting to get into. Probably you were so you weren't phased by these people, but that must have made a thing in your brain go, "I want to, I want to perform." Because maybe because yeah. your dad, yeah, like your dad was around that world, and he obviously loved that world. So deep down in you, and you my aunt this- as well was an actress, but I didn't really understand or know because I think at that point in her career. She was, I just remember seeing this woman with like huge sunglasses and a tiny dog. She had a shih tzu. She's, that's, that's, that's every that's celeb, it. mate. Uh, yeah, she's yeah. early, yeah. early doors. Pioneer. <laughs> I will pass 50 of them a day in Los Angeles. <laughs> Massive glasses, tiny dog. Um, and I think she died when I was about seven or eight. So I remember it was before my grandma. So, um, so she was kind of in show I think she was in the business but I think because she was in that business I think my dad and maybe my grandma maybe that side of the family were a bit like you know this is hard and it's not as glamorous as it looks from the outside and it's an environment that can sometimes not be filled with the best people and you know but she was I mean she was absolutely like the most stunning kind of Audrey Hepburn looking woman. Mm-hmm. So she was very classically just, I don't look anything like, like but, um, and she was in sort of, I think, I think you look lovely just so for the, thanks, for the, for the listeners. Um, in a she, very non, uh, just a very neutral, you look lovely. <laughs> just, just saying it in a very pleasant way. No, no other intentions. <laughs> um, but she was in stuff like the Avengers and she was in uh, Adventures of Robin Hood and, she was like friends with Shirley Eaton, who was one of the early Bond girls and Edmund Purdom. And she was in like the, oh, uh, the saint, stuff like that. Right. So, so yeah. she'd been doing, so she'd been. And she's on your dad's side or your mum's side? She's my dad's sister. So okay, your dad's side sister. has more of the, 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 the entertainery side. The, the My mum's side, side has a real kind of creative side as well but it's like kind of more of an artsy vibe and in fact my mum my mum's first job was she used to do continuity at rank studios studios right so uh so they they were both actually sort of in that area that was her I've got something very interesting to tell you about that, actually. I'll come on to that. Okay, right. Um, I put a pin in that. I've remembered it. Denim Studios. Put a pin in Denim Studios. Um, So my, uh, yeah, so my aunt, but I never really, I've never still to this day sort of never met any of the people who sort of work with my aunt through acting or any of those. She went to RADA as well. So she, you know, I think like, did you want to go away from home? Did you want to go to RADA? Because I know there's a big, because um, Hans did, you know, she she went to drama school, but um, RADA's exp- expensive, right? You can't, there's it's no expensive, ch- I think. I don't know if there's any, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Any, um, what's it where you get it, you get it subsidised? Oh, um, scholarship. Scholarship. I don't know if there's scholarships. Um, my aunt either left Scotland or ran away from Scotland <laughs> to right. go there. Um, and... So I had a thing of like, I wanted to, when I was a teenager, I, I sort of begged my parents to go to Italia Conti or Sylvia Young. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want to send me to, well, there was, I think at the time I was asking, either my dad was 
redundant, didn't have a job because then he went right. to work for a construction firm. So it could have been in that time when we were living off my mum's money. So Back of your mind, you're like, that's going to tick a box for the working class thing with the BBC <laughs> in 35 years' time. Get a manual labour job, Ron. This is going to sort me out. <laughs> in 20 years' time, I'll be laughing. <laughs> um, uh, so it was, it was um, yeah, so I think it was either that I couldn't afford and, and also that they – there was a concern over how much of the other education you're really bright. You know, my mum still occasionally goes, when are you going to do stuff with your brain? I was like, I, I mean, that's exactly what I do. I I make money from, I make money for words that I create in my head, sentences that I construct. That's interesting (laughs) though. That's sorry. I'm going to, this is another pin here. That's the interesting thing that your mum said. So do you think your mum, like she says it jokingly, she's obviously very proud of you and what you do, but yeah. do you think there's a bit of her that's like, cause I, when I started this, my dad was very supportive cause he hated his job, but very selflessly, you know, did it and sent us to school and all that. And my mum, I think was like, and she's working class. So she's just like, why are you not like, why are you not doing a sensible job that earns you loads of money? And then when I started earning money, she was like, not that she's like in a bad way. I think she was like, okay, fine. This kind of makes sense now. But do you think your mum, there's a bit of her, like when you were starting then, yeah, you're kind of going into that. Does she want you to just get in a, don't take these risks, go for the sensible option? Yes. So she's gone through every phase. It's mad. So early doors, when I was about 18, I turned up at um, some studios for a casting because I was with a sort of kids agent for a little while. When I was like 16 or 17, I joined this sort of like, acting class that had an agency attached and brian adams was there and he asked me yes. out right and i what? didn't know yes i didn't know it was brian adams i had no idea so i was like so i turn up for this casting the woman how old's brian adams at this point i mean he's gotta be is he in his 60s now late 50s let's look it up um i mean he wouldn't be the first musician to ask someone out who's dangerously too young <laughs> sadly six, that is he's 61 so yeah right. he's got you know he's got a fair old chunk on me uh 20 not quite 20 years wow okay a bit less than but but you know so i would have been i mean maybe if i was 18 he would have been like 35 30 yeah <laughs> no do you know it's one of those it's one of those things where you when you hear stuff like you're like oh yeah cool and then as soon as i hit 35 which is my age now actually the idea of dating an eighteen-year-old is insane <laughs> to me. They look so—they look so young, eighteen-year-olds. Yes, I'm yeah. like, all right, man. Well, whatever. People. Are, yeah. It's yeah. Te- it's it's legal. It's legal. <laughs> if your first thing is how it's legal, then that's not a great first. Uh, you know, it's legal. Yeah. Street legal. Okay. Yeah, anyway. So <laughs> he ki- asked you kids. out. Kids. So he yeah. asked me out. So 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 he. If, so, if they've got a kids agent, they're too young for me. That's what I'm going to say that right now. If a girl has a kid's agent, even if she's 18, it's get when they've got an adult agent, at least. Anyway, sorry, carry on. That's all right. So basically I turn up and the woman who's running it, Tina, I think, she she's American. Right. Um, I just remember her being like, cool beans. You know, she was like this really, she like ran the acting <laughs> that classes. Is, that is what an American says. They do say cool beans. <laughs> no British person said cool beans back then. Probably no, not even no. now. Yeah. Unironically, so, yeah. Uh, so she got me in for the casting and then we were waiting. So I was there with my friend. I think I was there with my friend Tara. And we're waiting in, there's like a bar area. And what I didn't realise is there's a bunch of a and it's a place in like Labrook Grove. There's a bunch of A&R companies like in the, in the same place that the casting is oh, yeah. being held. So my friend Tara goes to the bar to get me a drink. She's like, Tiff, what do you want? And then this like 
small man who looked quite greasy. Uh, like that was, I didn't know like who he, he seemed nice, but he, he was like Tiffany, like breakfast at Tiffany. And he started like kind of doing this kind of oh, like, man. and then he that was like, gross. And he's like, is that your name? And then he was like, um, would you like to come to dinner with me? Would you, I'd like to take you out for lunch, not breakfast. Would you, would you give me your number? Like, it might have even been pages at the time or whatever, but like, Tiffany, Tiffany. And my friend, my friend Tara's like, ah, like, and then Tina comes out and she takes me in and she's like, who is that small man just being like, like trying it on with you? And I was like, I don't know. It's just like asking me out. I go in, I do the casting. I don't get the job. And then later on that day or the next day on the radio, it's like, Brian Adams is in town. And then I get a phone call from the woman, Tina, the American lady going, oh my God, that guy we were fucking rude to was, was Brian Adams. That's excellent. <laughs> that like, I love it, like, mate. Um, you monked off Brian Adams. Um, That's great. And then my mum, but this is where I say my mum's gone through phases. I tell my mum what's happened. She's like, you should have gone out of him just once. He probably would have bought you a Porsche or something. Um, amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Just, uh, wow, that's so good. Doesn't matter what. Yeah, just as long as you get a Porsche out of it, everything's fine. Jesus. So, so that was twenty plus odd years ago, Mum, or the versions of my mum. So one of the things we go log ahead with, and I wrote an article about this, and then I never published it, but I think it's a longer thing, possibly for a book, because I find the generations of feminism fascinating. Um, so I. So one of the things when I was saying about my mum working at Denim Studios, fairly recently, I'm going to say about three years ago. Can I tell you this story? Is that all right? Or do you Mate, yeah, go for right, it. No, okay. I'm, I know so, we, you've come back to the pin. We've put I've the pin in Denim pin. Studios. I'll always, so I'll, I'll always get back to the pin. Yeah, so I'm happy. We're at a funeral. My cousin Jane, so I say she's my cousin, is my mum's cousin's daughter. So my mum and Cynthia, their cousins, and her daughter is Jane. And Jane right. is like, she does all these women's networks. She's like quite a hardcore feminist she's really super smart she comes to see my shows like in fact she's seen my shows in america and the, the uk and stuff she's awesome right so my mum and cynthia lived together for a little bit when they were kids because my mum stayed with with uh uh cynthia and barry um so we're at a funeral and it's so i guess it must be around 2018 or tail end of 2017 right because the, a me too discussion is happening okay and uh, so Jane and I are talking about like equal pay and sexism in the workplace and what constitutes harassment and a feeling of obligation to go along with things that people suggest because they're work. At which point, like my mum and her cousin are like, ah, oh, well, she stopped going on about, like, it was literally like this. Well, she stopped going on about it. When we worked at Denham, you go to the dark room, you got felt up. You just dealt with it. Wow. And, and it was like... We didn't go on about it, did we? Like, it was a bit like that. So. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, that's not an uncommon uh, reaction from, is it like, a, do you reckon, I mean, we've gone into a whole other world here, but do you reckon that's, and I might be wrong, is that because they're like, we went through that yes. and we're fine. I guess yes. that's a lot of, that's a lot of people's percep perception of life, isn't it? Like, well, I did that and I was fine. I, I think it was, you're complaining that you had it hard, we had it harder. There's a bit of that. I also yeah. think as well, is that, and I think this about lots of things, because I'll have debates with my mum. Like I remember when Wayne Rooney 
had an affair, right? And my mum showed me the paper and she pointed at the girl that he had the affair with and she was like, that girl knew he was married when she started shagging him. And I was like, Wayne Rooney knew he was married. <laughs> yeah, yeah, why yeah, are yeah, we, yeah. Why is this? So that's how we come at it. I was like, we, we're coming at it from two different... And, and I think it's generations of feminism. And I think what... And I try to be kind because also I have to remember when discussions happen around women's safety and getting home at night and doing all of this, like the messages that my mum had and the level of fear and protection she had for me was crazy high because she's dealing with how the world is, not how she wishes the world would be, right? Mm -hmm. So the reality is very scary. So I think within that, me and my cousin end up saying, oh, we're really sorry. You shouldn't have had to put up with that. That's really fucking shit. And guess what? I think at the top, I think the frustration comes from, because at the time they couldn't say anything. Yeah. So they had no choice but to get on with it. So it's a slight change of perception when they say we just got on with it. What they sort of mean is we didn't have any recourse to deal with it. So we could go and complain and we'd just be told to find another job. Mm. So we had to accept it societally and it's quite hard. Yeah. I do think that, like I think now when I've, I've got friends who are like, would call themselves the elder gays, and when they see the young girls, the young gays, and they toss around words that they were like, listen, that was when we were young. We just didn't say that word. Like, and now you want to reclaim it. We get it. But that was like abuse for us. And yeah. also we marched and we did this fight and we did this. So you can kind of see. So generationally, I feel like um, that was kind of a, a similar situation to them. Is like, they're like, we didn't complain about it, but also that they couldn't. And and so what you hope is that you inch the progress forward again and again and again and again. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, even with my mum, so, you know, that kind of going, don't go through the park at night. And then we have these conversations around victim blaming. And I say to mum, you know, like you, these are victim blaming things. But then this is the same mum who, when I was like, I think I was like 14 maybe or 13, the first time that she taught me to carry a hairspray in my handbag and yeah. a tail comb because you're allowed to use that as a weapon, a tail right. comb with a little pin at the end. So if you needed oh, to, wow. okay. you know, and my, one of my earliest, earliest memories is being on a train with my mum, and I must've been about six or seven. And I, I, you just sort of forget how the adrenaline must work for your parents and how all of this happens. We're on the train and there's a guy sat opposite us. And every time I look at him, he starts rubbing his oh, dick. But I don't know what that means at that age. Right. And then eventually I say, mummy, that man, every time I look at that man, he touches himself. And like, so then my mum like moves us and then we get off the train the next day. It happens really quickly. Like we sort of, she gets up and she fucking slaps him and then we're off the train. And wow. then we're on a cold train platform. And I just, I... I, I can only imagine like what's coursing through her body in I that bet. moment, you know, as a woman then at her age, she had me when she was 34, you know, so she's in her early, she would have been the same age as me, right? Mm -hmm. In this kind of state of like violent fucking, you know, this can just happen. I'm with my child and a man is doing this on the train, like, and how unsafe that feels yeah. and how they've lived in that world. So the same as your mum, the same as Hannah's mum, you know, they've they've grown up in this world where where they didn't really have as much of a voice. Yeah. Even so though that, there were waves of feminism, you know, how much power they actually had. That's really fascinating. That, that And that probably, 
uh, trips down into like when you're like, I want to be an actor and do stuff. She's probably thinking, is that like safety thing? She's like, well, this is not like, I mean, there is obviously dangers, but she's more like career wise. That's an unsafe route to choose. So she, yeah. So did you feel like that kind of trend? Well, like- even, even, even within the go out of him once he would have bought you a Porsche. That comes from the same place, right? Yeah, it does. It comes yeah. from a fear of, I need my daughter to be safe because every mother that has a daughter is going, what if she doesn't come home tonight, you know? Mm-hmm. And that is, that's a real fear. It's a real, so that you should have got out of him once he would have bought you a Porsche is you'll be okay. Like it's, you'll be okay if you have money. Yeah, and if you're with is, a yeah. man who has money or you get married, you're going to be safe. And I don't want you to not be safe. And I don't want society to not care about you. And so yes. for society to care about you, she thinks that means you've got to be married. You've got to have kids. You've got to have security. You've got to have mm-hmm. money. And all of my choices in life have been running away from that. So I, I can understand how it's quite hard for my mum that she's stressed and she's worried because, you know, it's the the same thought that is going through when I'm a teenager going out. It's like, I want her to be safe. Why do you think you've run away? Like, as in taken the risky, the riskier, why do you think that is? Like, is it just because you were just like enamored with the lifestyle when you were a kid? Or do you think there's a little bit of, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I have a, I mean, different cause I'm a, a guy obviously, but I've always, the idea of doing the safe Root has always made me sad. I don't know, like it's made me feel like anxious about. Doing, I I much rather do the just the idea of a nine to five or whatever. And it, I know why. It's because my dad used to do that and hated his job and just said, "Whatever you do, don't do this. It's the worst." So I know that's why I felt like doing the thing I love and taking the risks with it. But do you think? Yeah, what do you think pushed you in, away from the the safe safe options? Adrenaline junkie, a sponge for new experiences a few things really I think I think one is um control you know like uh like at a young age because my parents would row with each other you know they'd Mm -hmm. argue and you're the person in the middle trying to you know, sitting, on the, sitting on the steps, sitting on sitting the steps, on the, overhearing it. That's, yeah, that's yeah, overhearing it. Yeah, yeah, overhearing oh, it, or getting in the middle of it, going, you know, like trying to distract from it. You know, yeah. trying to diffuse it in whatever way you can, whether it's. So when I was young, I used to. I was a huge bookworm. I mean, I still am. I'm in the book nook, but but I was obsessed. But and I liked the idea that I could escape by going into these worlds that were created, mm. and it felt like I wasn't. So I would use that as a as a route of escapism. And I think the performance side of it, I think, again, control. I think like a lot of us get into stand-up. It's very, very funny. We get into stand-up because we don't want to work for someone else. So it was acting first and that performance side of things, which obviously I still do. And part of that, I think, comes from I get to try on lives. <laughs> I don't know whether it's about not really knowing yourself, but yeah, yeah, you get to try on all these different lives and go, oh, what would it have been like if I'd have been this or, and the travel and the adventure of it and stand up is. But you have very little control with the acting because you're so reliant on on people giving you job. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And, and I would say to, I would think for like all actors that 
uh, and a lot of the ones who are like huge or who are good that like diversifying such a huge thing because there's such a lack of control. And so that's when you find even like actors that are huge, but could start producing as well mm-hmm. and getting into finding scripts and putting projects together because at least then you have some say over where it goes. Um, so I think there was a bit of that. I think there was a bit of like, I had ideas, I had things I wanted to say. I, I think I'm quite empathetic as a person i think that leans into sort of acting i'm quite affected by you know the moods of people around me and stuff and working with energy that's what stand-up is it's in a room taking that energy and 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 manipulating it and getting your ideas being heard i think is one of the big things of wanting to be heard i never quite thought until you said it and that really rung very true me was that you made me go back to my childhood and think of sitting on stairs last i said it was like parents arguing and there is like such a powerlessness to it because all you want is them to get on and not do that but you're little and they don't you know they whatever they 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 obviously love it they like you but you're not you, they're like you don't know you're like a seven-year-old but you just don't you want them to not so I've never quite i never quite realized there was a correlation there so you said that which is like, of course you get up there stand up i'm on control I'm, I'm i'm making everyone have a good time well most people if it's going well a couple of people <laughs> might be hating it you're trying, that's really interesting. Yeah, that's very fascinating. I never thought of that until you said that. Well, you can be the person that makes everything all right. And that is, yeah. as a comic, everyone's laughing. Everything's all right. It's diffused. You've diffused whatever tension there is. You've broken it. You've, you could, you sometimes as comics, we create it and then we break it, but it's always, you know, kind of, ki- kind of there. So, and my very, I had a very, early rule with my stepson that that Paul and I would never argue in front of him to the point that once this is very funny once we where did you where did you go for your argument (laughs) we went to the kitchen and I switched on the organic bean grinder coffee bean grinder (laughs) like like the room was bugged you gotta go go to the bathroom (laughs) to the shower oh that's funny because I know how much it affects you, you know, and, and my parents would probably think she's being unfair with that, but but it's true. It really does. It really does. Like parents who are like loud and screamy at each other, it has it's it does have a huge effect on 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 the kids. So that's funny. I he's just, like he's, he thinks if you if you and Paul get into a bit of a weird moment at some point, he's, he'll be like uh, he'll be like fuck it, I'm making a lot of beans at the moment, aren't they? <laughs> so they're, gr- they're grinding like three hours of bean grinding a day. That's uh, fucking Starbucks in our house at the moment. <laughs> I think that's good. I li- I like that rule. We don't have a kid yet. Hopefully, maybe who knows? But if we do, um, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I do think the arguing, the arguing is a a thing that it's very normalised and it's whatever people do what they want to do. But you're right; it does, it does, it does live. It's with really you stressful for kids because it's the people that you love, and you know, a huge adult person screaming at another huge adult person, and you don't want either of them to be hurt because they're your world and they're your protectors. Especially what- when that person spends a lot of their time being like, "Oh, how's it going?" and very friendly, and they, and then <laughs> yeah. that switch. It's like the biggest change. You're like, "Why are they?" a scary monster now it's kind of a weird yeah that's that's yeah just you don't even need to know what people are saying but that emotional switch is huge isn't it when you're little yes and reading those cues and everything else again they're for acting they're all the kind of things of the sort of little tricks of learning how people you know just watch that all that filtering in as a child you're like oh you know um and listen your parents are complicated people and it's a long journey 
I think it took me to my late 20s to realize that your parents are there as much to um, teach you what not to do as they are to teach you what to do. By their actions? But as in like you look at what they do and want to do something different? Yeah, like like don't I agree. don't expect them to have all the answers. Don't expect them to always be right because they're human and they're people and you have to acknowledge and accept them for that and kind of go, okay, well they these are the lessons they're teaching me that are good ones and these are they're teaching me that I'm going to do the opposite of that. There is you know, that's a a good way to think about your relationship with your parents. So it's mm-hmm. uh, you know, having respect for them because they're your parents but also knowing that they're not always right. Also knowing that you're not always right. And that generationally, you know, stuff changes and therefore that it it influences everything about them. So it influences my mum's ideas around feminism. And then she, you know, she's like quite positive in lots of ways about it now, but also at the same time, you know, she's of her era. I think that's interesting when you get older and you talk to... It reminds me a bit of school in a weird way. I remember when we were at my school, and this might just be a posh school thing, but till we were like 16, you're treated as like a kid. And then we're 16 to 18. We almost, You almost talk to them like you're, you're, like you're semi on the same level. And I always think that's an interesting thing as you get older when you talk... Well, now it's weird with parents because I feel like talk to them on the same level. Now I talk to them <laughs> like they're the kids. And I'm sure that relates yes. to them anyway. Yeah. Well, you know, especially with COVID, like dads, like just don't just fucking go out on the piss and lick lampposts and all the stuff you normally do. Um, but them and but them them having them finding it hard that's a huge change for them. They're like, I just you I just wiped poo out of your bum for like five years. That's still how I kind of perceive you. So you don't they're like, you don't know. Um so it's, yes. it's, it's a, yeah. that's an interesting thing with parents and I like that you were still shitting yourself at five years old. Oh this yeah yeah that's bit of a tell there. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I mean five months. Five months. I was pretty much potty trained by six months. I'm so good at shitting. I'm so good at shitting. Just want to put that on my head and propose to. Good at shitting, Chris Martin. Come here, son. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. We were talking about, uh, yeah, so your parents were, they let you kind of, they, they, they let you get into the world and, and do 
do stuff. Your mum was a bit reticent at the start. And then did you have like, when you, like I said, when I started earning money, my mum was like, oh, cool. Did, did you, was there a point where your mum, you think was way, way more on board with what you'd like when you got in the, I'm trying to think of stuff I know you did. When you got in the office, there's a kind of a huge thing. And then um, I'm well, sure you did other was, things. When I got the office, that was not really a, um, because oh. it was an unknown quantity at the time even though I thought it was very funny. And actually I auditioned for a bigger part, didn't get it. And then my agent went, darling, my agent at the time, uh, who used to talk like this? Her oh, name one of those Janet. old schools. Love Janet, it. she wasn't, she wasn't, I think she's retired now. Um, um, but she said, listen, darling, you just keep taking these small parts. You're just going to be a small time actress. So, you know, it's up to you. Oh, she and said I said, that. yeah, yeah. And I went, well, I think it's really funny. So I want to do the show. I'd like to be part of it because I think the show's funny. And so basically, I think it was, I auditioned for one and then they just came back and said, does she want to do this? It wasn't even like I had to do another mm -hmm. audition. And then it ended up like making me like stupid money and royalty. I know. Yeah, we chatted about that you know. on the other podcast. Um, so, yeah. so it just, so, so my mum, not so much with that, but maybe because I think, um, you know, when I got, when a check turned up for that, well, she was like, oh, um, but I think she now, now she's like, oh no, it's good. She's always like, just make sure you protect yourself and people don't take your ideas. And that, you know, they're very, um, obviously they're my parents. They're like, you should be on this. You should be doing that. How come they're doing that? And you're not doing this. And then I have to sort of go, I, I try not to do that. <laughs> so I get that you want to do it for me and that's cool, but I can't engage in that because otherwise I'll go yeah, insane. You're going loopy. Yeah. That's, it's, uh, that's, um, I was speaking to Roshin about this and actually her mum is uh, much more hands off and like, oh, cool. Like that's cool, but I, whatever. But when I wonder if, do you feel when you've got them going, you should like, is that, do you feel like that's like extra pressure, right? Cause it's, it's nice to have that support, but then on the flip and I'm, they don't mean it to be that, but that is a, cause it's kind of a high pressure thing anyway. Cause we do so, we, we spend so much, we get a hundred rejections, even if you don't know we're getting them and what we're doing to get those big wins. Yeah. Does that, does you, do you feel like, that's yes, because it's sometimes. a reflection. We're reflection on them, and like that's a narcissistic parental thing to do. And everyone's parents have a little bit of that. I say everyone's a huge percentage, like of people that I know have parents who have that narcissistic. You are a reflection. You're my child. I want you to be doing the best because it is a reflection on me. But they also want it for me, and so then I have to explain that, like, it's not. I get it because it's born from a desire. We just think you're the best. We I think know. you're the best. And how come that person, like, they can't touch you. I've seen them. I know. Like, you know, so there's like a bit of that. Like, um, yeah. obviously, because they, you know, you're you're their child and they think, you know, and it's not just us. It's your dad's mate as well. Your dad's mate thinks it. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love yeah. it when they bring up their other mate. Oh, well, yeah. your dad, your dad's mate, Jim, cause like Jim would come to old rope and he's watched me loads. So, you know, yeah. they know what I can do. So they're like, <laughs> well, so if sweet. it was up to me, <laughs> if it was up to me, it'd be everything, oh, no. you know? So I have to try and, you know. Wouldn't it be funny if like our parents were just like the BBC commissioner for a week and <laughs> just like. <laughs> Just giving us so many things we're not in any way equipped for. Like, oh, well, no, my mum's like, well, just ring up and tell them you want to do QI. And I'm no, like, it doesn't work like that, mum. It have doesn't. You to get on, um, have you tried to get on that show? Yeah, I've tried. I mean, you don't, just, <laughs> you don't just send them a letter. You have to, like, audition and impress the right person. It's yeah. one of the things that happen relentlessly on, and if there are people on social media who listen to this that do this, you need to know that it's not like, a lot of the time you see people
people tweet mad shit like, well, they probably ask loads of, you know, it used to happen a lot with female comments. They probably asked loads of female comments and they turned it down or they were busy. And you go, no, they didn't. No, that's not what's happened. They've not, if someone's knowed something, nine times out of 10, they'll go, oh, I just said no to that because it's not for me. Mm-hmm. So if you're not seeing a person on a show, for example, Taskmaster, and I am part of Taskmaster speculation season every every year. <laughs> like right. it'll come up, you know, but a lot of people will be like, oh, I think she probably turned that down. And I was like, no, no, I, I haven't turned it down. Yeah. I haven't been asked to do it. Like, yeah, well, that's, if I get yeah. asked to do it, then that's a different story, you know, but it's a sort of, um, yeah, it's a sort of people assume that the business works a certain way and it, and, and it just doesn't work that way. And so my parents uh, quite n- naively think, well, we think you're brilliant. So everyone else who's thinking you're brilliant should, you know. And also yeah, a lot of the time... Sw- it comes from a sweet place. comes from such a sweet place. And a lot of the time they'll go by what the audience is responding to as well. And also we know that sometimes it's not just about the audience. Sometimes it's about a series of people who make decisions... <laughs> in television that could, that, you know, uh, it's based on a range of things at any given time and it go and no one, it ebbs and flows. That's the other thing. No one has this path to success. That's like a rocket ship. No. Very few people, maybe like Jack Whitehall and a couple of other people, but everyone else has these sort of waves, you know, and of course the trajectory is generally upwards, but you know, at any given time, it's, about whose eye is on you and someone, you know, sometimes something will come out the blue and you'll go, oh yeah, I'll do that. I'd love to do that. That'll be really fun. And a job will come in. Do you, um, do you, when you get a good, when you get a job that comes in that like you're really excited for that, I'm trying to think of like, do you, do you call your parents straight away? Like as in we, me and Hans had something we're starting soon. I'm not going to talk about, but like, yeah. and I was like, I was like, when I just was like, when is, it's not, when is the earliest I can tell my mum and dad, to, <laughs> but not even like, it's not even, I don't I don't even think it's like they're going to be, it's just to sort of show that I'm like not insane, that I'm like yes, doing it. Yes. I'm like just, yeah. I'm in America, but like it's, I'm doing, I'm not like a lunatic. I'm not here just like living off. I'm not like living on a street corner. I'm in around. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I'm not just getting stoned, man, like everyone else. I'm like here, like doing <laughs> stuff. And so, and I, I, you know, I wish, I wish, I'd, I'd love to actually be at a point where I don't even, you kind of, well, you want to have enough stuff happen that you're like, oh, sorry, I forgot to tell you about that. Uh, trying to explain to them is quite difficult because, like, I tried to explain to them about Avenue 5. Like, so I'm like, Armando Iannucci. Yeah. And my mum's like, yeah, I, like, yeah? yeah. Like, he's not, you he's know. Not, he's not mum famous. That's the problem. I've had this. Yes, he's not, mum he's not mumnip. He's not mumnip, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, you know, like Russell Howard is, for example, <laughs> is mumnip. Yeah. But so I, I sort of try and explain and then they go oh right now I get it and so you sort of explain to them a little bit and then they get it but like I'm doing a film and we were talking before we started the recording so I'm going to Serbia to shoot a film and then my dad was like oh so what's I'm a bit worried like do you know anyone else that's going and I was like no it's it's a Uh, film it's a a film dad and then like but how like I've seen Serbia had a war 25 (laughs) years ago and I don't want you to go there in case you get in a war (laughs) that's so sweet so like I was sort of going yes it's an American production and it's you know they're shooting like you know so you end up just kind of like going through those sort of beats and sort of trying to explain it to them and then sometimes it's a quantifiable thing that they can go oh we know what that is so if it's like Mock the Week or House of Games they go oh I know that and I can tune into that at tea time and that makes sense to me and I can get my head wrapped that and that that sort of 
but sometimes they're like, I don't understand. What do you, what do you mean you're doing stand up here or you're writing? What are you writing? What, what do you mean you're writing on? Are you in it? Are you, you know, that they get. Would you love to get to a point where you like, cause you tell them and you want them to be happy. Would you like to get to a point where you're like, I'll tell them cause my parents want to tell them, but also like, it's okay. I don't know. Like almost like it's, I don't know, just do it because you enjoy it and it's fun and not worry too much about their reaction. Would you like to get to that point? Or do you just want to keep, I mean, I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer to this. I, I think it's like... I would, I would. My mum called me a snob the other day because I wouldn't get a Mac from Marks and Spencer's. We'd gone out shopping. Buy a, a Rain Mac or a MacBook Air? No, like a Rain Mac. Like okay, good. I was going to say, if you're, buying a, if you're buying laptops from um, Marks and <laughs> Spencer's, they're no, not a snob. So I, I'd seen <laughs> one, I'd seen one like... I think I was going like, there was a threefold. So it's like, I can go the Burberry and go, this is my forever Mac. Yeah. Uh, I can go Massimo Dutti or somewhere like, um, I'm trying to think of a mid-rangey or like a Isabel Moran or something like, where I could go where it could go anywhere from like 250 quid up to like 600 quid. Or there's the Burberry end, which is obviously way more expensive and you get one Mac and it lasts your entire life and then it sits in the wardrobe and you get a bit afraid of wearing it right so that's the sort of range and she went Marks do them and I was like I don't want one from Marks and she went you're a snob and she said I'm gonna go and my dad was like she's not a snob she just knows what she wants and she was like oh earn a bit of money this is what you know like I love that. She's, she's like, like she works for Marks and Spencer's. Why does she yeah, even? That's hilarious. She's really annoyed that I think I'm too good for Marks, and I think it's because when I was a kid, Marks was the, like the posh place, posh, you know, the posh place. And it was, you know, and then obviously we have been through times where like there were just there was no money for anything like that, you know. There was no, my mum couldn't be getting new things for herself because mm. she's trying. To, we're living off her cleaning wage, you know. Does it, um, do you think you've, um, they've affected how you view money and stuff? Like my, my dad's very cavalier with money. I'm still, I'm not cavalier, I'm not as cavalier with him, but like he, he's very much like spend it, enjoy it. And uh, my mum is very much the opposite. And I think I've landed in the middle there, which is like, you know, do nice stuff, but also like have money. Like don't just. Um, I think my dad is quite, yeah, I think my dad's quite sort of smart. He likes a little bit of a, he likes to do the horses and he likes to put something on the football. You know, you like to have Your a dad, bet. Of course, of course, he does. I could tell that straight away. From, One down the, the bookies. Yeah, I could down see the him bookies. down there. Right. How many? Home. How many little pens in my mum and dad's yeah. house? Do you reckon? <laughs> I bet he's got so many <laughs> tiny pens. It's like fucking Argos warehouse. Like. <laughs> um, so yeah. So I think. So I think, but my dad, I think with when he does, he's like got a but. A but he'll go. I'll do thirty quid this week, or it won't. And I love gambling, so I definitely get that from him. Oh, yeah, I you am, do love gambling. You love I fruit love machines. A fruit machine. I've been on the online ones during lockdown. Oh, mate, you know? online is online fruit machines is come on, come on, mate. No, but mate. also I just I go. Oh, like it might be like I'll do ten or twenty quid once a week, okay. and then I'll play. And then I normally because I won't do I won't go plunging money into I won't go chasing a loss down a rabbit hole. I mean, I okay. won two hundred and fifty quid on one couple of months ago you always hear about the wins though don't you you always hear yeah. about the wins <laughs> oh no but I, if i go in and have a look i'm like i'm about even on everything okay okay so like i check because you can check you can do your balance and checks uh, and i'm not promoting uh gambling but also My, we all do that? we all do things don't we to to sort of take ourselves away from 
thinking about who we are for five minutes. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, I want, this is my dad's attitude to money. My dad, when I was a teenager, I was at university and he told me about a mate of his who was investing on a website where you give a man on the internet money and he plays poker, but very conservatively, but you, you get, you know, you, your money goes up 10%, 20%. And he goes, uh, I goes that all right. And he goes, yes. Yeah, right. And I kind of Googled it and no one said it was a scam, but he's like, yeah, this guy I'm doing it. He's got loads of money off it. So I put a hundred pounds in and then I looked on the website. We like, you now got 130 pounds. I'm like, this is fucking great. So I just put 500, this is at university when you've got like no right. money, I put 500 <laughs> quid in. And literally a week later, like the, the thing that stopped, it stopped updating the website. And I was like, oh, what's going on here? This isn't good. And then the guy eventually dropped a message going, guys, I'm going to be honest. I started gambling a little bit more aggressively than before and uh, all the money's gone. However, I'd guaranteed you a 50% uh, uh, return extra. Uh, now, I promise I can get you at least 75%, uh, 175% of your income, uh, investment. And I went, nah, it's a scam, isn't it? <laughs> after the, after the or not noticing after the imaginary figures on the screen from a random person, 100 pounds, after the 500 pounds. But my dad had told me to just do it. And uh and I You're kind speaking of, to someone who just invested in crypto, and that is basically gambling. Well, it is the same. I've, is, done, is, I've done the same, and I don't understand it, Tiff. I did. I need the male equivalent of Margot Robbie in the bath, just some dude telling me what's up while his balls float in imperial leather. I say, <laughs> that's <laughs> what's a horrible image that is. I, uh, I've been talking about this on stage. How I'm, I'm not good. I don't own a house and stuff, and it, it doesn't help that I have been taking financial advice from teenagers on TikTok. I fucking <laughs> just some bloke called like Stock Daddy. He's like eighteen. Is like this is what you're gonna be doing, and I'm like okay, okay, young man with a phone who's confident. Um, I, I, well, I've so crypto. Yeah, I did. I mean, I would say I think a bit differently about money than my parents, maybe. But then again, they you know they own a house, uh, so. But I also think a bit more about you like to treat yourself when you get I like that I, nice I like thing. to like treat anyone. myself I do I sometimes go don't hold back Brett Goldstein was like that was a piece of advice you gave me and I bought a piano um because I had my convertible and I was like you know not Life's for like I'll do enjoyed. it I'll, I'll do it later I'll do it later so there's you know there's a bit of that a bit of like when this happens I will get myself um you have to reward yourself because, you know, there's, like I said, there's a lot of rejections when you get those wins. You've got to give that little reward. Just a little them. something, a little nice something. But I do think, I think about money and how I can make money work for me and how, because I think we're the opposite of our parents in that they worked to live and we live to work a bit more. Like we, yeah. we enjoy what we do. And That's so, correct. and so therefore I have experiences in my life that I'm lucky would normally, it's same as you would normally cost you a lot of, lot of money to have those experiences. Like I'd, I've never been on a cruise before. And last weekend or the weekend before I was on a cruise with Michelle Rue and John Tarode from MasterChef <laughs> just hosting these panels, interviewing them about food. Oh, and nice. we went on as like VIPs and I was like, Oh, this is the way to do a cruise. Like to have a, an amazing suite to have, yeah, to have like, and to have, but I got to do that. I got paid to do that. And that was awesome. So, so by not having, those are the perks, by not having this kind of guaranteed financial security that people in a nine to five have, it's harder to get mortgages. It's harder to do that. But actually you can come into like a chunk of money that you go, oh, okay, maybe we'll build something on that piece of land 
like so that's you know and I'm with someone who's like good at doing stuff like that so I I think a bit more I think I think a bit more modern and a bit more differently about finances like my mum and dad don't necessarily make their money work for them you know so I was like years ago I was like guys why don't you buy a smaller house um or a bungalow and use the other half to buy a flat and rent it out and then that passive that rental income is your pension you know, my dad's got, pen, you know, they're on state pension and stuff as well. And I think my dad's got, but, but you know, just stuff like that where you're it's like. It's a lot of effort though, isn't it? It's a lot of it's effort. It's a lot of effort. It's a lot it's of a effort. Lot. It's not going to happen. Uh, but, you know, just stuff like that to kind of go like, you know, t- trying to be a bit, you know, look, and I'm not saying I'm an expert in any way, but trying to be able to try and make it work for you a bit and have, you know, have I saw a, an old, I saw an old, an old billionaire on a, on one of these TikToks when never pay with a debit card that's your money use the credit card and pay it off every month why would i spend my own money when i can spend somebody else's in case something goes wrong and i was like all right yeah. <laughs> i was well, like i'm actually, all right old man all right well, old that's, man. well that that is the credit card does give you insurance which you sort it of does. forget which i and actually book flights at the beginning of the pandemic i am still trying to get the money back out of them but i the recourse is you can go through your credit card company and they'll do it because it's underwritten so look at this podcast it's gone from parents to just just sound financial whereas, advice from two people who've watched a couple of videos on the internet but whereas my dad is still the cash guy I, i'll pay it cash how much for like, cash how much for cash is just still a conversation you, when i was a 14 year old i was like i could i went to boots to buy my sister a hairdryer for christmas before i went um, i think my dad because I, mean, I was having pocket money i wasn't I wasn't a chimney sweep at 14 so he gave me pocket money and i, I think i said i was like 15 pounds he goes ask how much for cash and i was like all right <laughs> so i'm in boots and i go hi how much for cash and they were like it's it's still fifteen pounds. <laughs> we're, we're a mass. We're not a fucking independent we're mechanics. We're not an independent mechanics. We don't write off VAT here. Uh, but as such, classic classic cash dad advice. Classic cash dad. So he'll do. He's cash cash man. Uh, he doesn't have credit cards. He doesn't like the idea of owing someone money. I so do that's see that. that's a, that. But that's but that's a switch. That's a thought process, right? So there's a switch there that is. I don't know if you've ever read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but it's amazing. So it's this kid who has a friend and his dad and his family are really rich and he gives him financial advice. And then he's got his dad who isn't very good with money. And it's about like, you know, like how how you, how he sifted out the rich dad's advice to enable to, wow. but you know, like that it's correct. That's going you uh, owing someone money. I see what you're saying. But also the other thing is, is that you have to build credit in order to be able to get credit. So, um, yeah. So uh, just about, about being able <laughs> I'd love to make... This. I love you meeting a spin-off podcast. <laughs> Let's do a money podcast, Chris. Money. Let's do a... Comedians making rich money. Rich comedian, poor comedian. <laughs> rich comedian. <laughs> Fucking hell. I'm worried I'm definitely the poor comedian. I, now, I, so. don't, I could be, you know, I like, don't, don't worry about that. We'll get on someone who's fucking fully... But, but you know, just stuff like... Obviously, because we create our own things and stuff as well. It's just of having that financial, you know, we've got friends who set up a podcast studio, you know, like Adam and Dan who set up their, you know, just doing stuff like going, oh, we create this, so we own this, and this Mm -hmm. can make us money ongoing. 
and trying to think about how you can work smart with money rather than work hard <laughs> you know because um, there's no jobs for life anymore like my brother-in-law retired at like 50 i think but I, I feel like that was like the last and i can't imagine retiring no i'll just be doing do? this what are you gonna yeah. do what are you gonna do it's yeah. boring it's be fun for like i think it'd be fun if every all your best mates and you like 20 10 10 to 50 to 20 people you just all were just fucking about it but that's not gonna happen you're not gonna have it yeah it's, it's boring it's boring well so um well that kind of yeah work speaking of working hard and, and come around we, well, let's let's come back to the parents to finish this off then so you're um uh yeah, your parents have instilled. I, I love your parents. I, I hope. Would you reckon they'll listen to this? They might do. Yeah, yeah. So, well, you if know, they're listening, do you want to? Here's what I like to get everyone to do. Do you want to say anything to them, like about you know, just you've been very honest, but also very nice. But anything you want to say, like you know, Lorraine and Ron, if you're listening, thanks for parenting me. Or <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks for parenting consciously, parenting consciously uncoupling. I was trying to take the piss out that Gwyneth Paltrow. They're all right, aren't they? They are all right. I like them They're a lot. They're all right. I like them. And I, I, like am, I once again apologise for thinking you guys were not together. <laughs> but I have the same. I have the same parents, so maybe that's They may or they may not. I don't know if downloading a pod and then they may have to do it when I'm there, but let's see. They may or they may not. Um, but I, I don't think I've said anything that would be so horrific that i would be disowned no they're very relaxed your parents i don't imagine them being the yeah. two you've been very nice as well so and then the final thing i like to do is um uh i'm trying to get my dad to say i love you because like i said he's he he does but he's got all this toxic masculinity and the generational thing and do you, you know anything you think would help him maybe just any tips any advice how he can kind of get over the the fear tap that it. and and open himself up to um that he's part of a perfect, not a perfect, is part of a cycle of life and this beautiful son that you have that, you know, goes forth that. into the world from your oh. hopes and your dreams and your aspirations. And there he is, a representation of that, and he's doing really well. So just tell him you love him. Oh, just that's say so it. Nice. That's so nice. <laughs> so he's, a, he's a brilliant kid. He's a really brilliant kid. So tell him you love him. It's a bit I like know. therapy now. <laughs> I know. You've been actually too, too effusive towards me. I'm, uh, I'm very uncomfortable how nice that was. <laughs> also, um, if, it, if I would say to your, I'm trying to get my parents to do some of the journaling and stuff like that that I sort of enter into, which is consciously in your days of thinking about like if it was today was your last day or tomorrow what would you do mm. what would those things be would it be and not like a bucket list would it be like because i always have a thing like i'd love to i want to swim in the ocean i need to be in the ocean or i want to watch the stars or i want to see a sunset and i want to <laughs> hug everyone i love and i want to tell everyone i love that i love them oh, that's so nice. that you never know like that you should say it often say it so often that it's not and we would do that with my stepson as well, you know, and Paul's side of the family are very effusive in saying that, you know, say it often. And it kind of takes the strain off of it. You just, I say it to my friends as well. I say I it on the phone. I might have said it, it to you nice. and Carl. Love you. I bye. I know. You it's know. nice. It's nice. It's not, I think if it was my dad's last day, he'd probably still go to the pub. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he would be very generous and buy a lot of drinks for people. Um, Cause he's like that. He's nice like that. But um, I, oh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, um, 
Uh, I love you, Tiff. <laughs> it's nice. Love to you, say. Chris. Uh, before you go, though, um, do you want to plug anything? You've got you. You do a podcast yourself. Please plug. Uh, Tiny Revolutions. Yes, I'm not sure when the third series of that is coming out, uh, but news on that soon. Um, okay. So, uh, but if you go onto my Twitter and follow on there, got details of my gigs. Follow me for that for all the info. If you get a chance, please watch Tiff. She's excellent. I love her. You love her, Tiff. I'll see you soon. See you soon. He's doing really well. So just tell him you love him. So, Dad, it's nice to hear someone be nice about your son, right? Right. It's really good, yes. What does that, does that sound like therapy? You've done therapy before, right? Mm, a little. Not, not much. You don't, you're not a fan of it, though, are you? I think it's one of those overblown subjects myself. Yes, okay. <laughs> in is my it, view, it's is it or is it not true that uh, you have been known to fall asleep in therapy? Oh, yes. <laughs> So she's got a bit of therapy there, but I appreciate what she's saying. Yeah, she did a bit of therapy there, yeah. Yeah, but is it going to make no, you No, I mean, sometimes say I find... Is it going to make you say it? Or is it going to make you fall asleep? What? Is it going to make you say I love you, or is it going to make you fall asleep, what she just said? She was very complimentary about your abilities, so that was good. That's good, very nice. I appreciate that. You're not going to say it, though, still? <laughs> what? You're still not going to quite say it yet, are you? Well, I've got to think about it. You oh, know, my yeah. God. But... You're going to come back next week, right? Oh, I'd love to come back next week, yes. Now I feel like you're just, uh, you're not saying it so that you get to hang out with me more. Like you're worried if once you said it, then I'll never speak to you again. No, I don't think that. I, I mean, I'm still thinking about it, you know. I've got to, it's, it's quite an interesting challenge, this. Well, Dad, tell everyone to come back next week. Yeah, definitely come back because this is quite interesting. There we go. Good. Thank uh, you. you. You meet these interesting comedian people on here. I do. Um, who you, you, you see in a different context, really. There we go, guys. We're going to put that on the poster. Quite interesting. John Martin. <laughs> Quite. Okay, Dad, see you next week. I love you. Thank you, yes. Good night. A podcast from producer paul.co.uk. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.